1: Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where influential guests and I break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is, you're accepting the wrong guy. Let's do this. Hello, Kinda Daters, I'm Natasha Chendale. You're listening to Kinda Dating, Aisha's not here with us today because it was her birthday. So if you haven't already wished her, go on Instagram, at Aisha Says Dance, at Kinda Dating. We have little posts up for her. Um, Give her a birthday shout out. She is hungover as fuck. Um, I appreciated that she tried to make today, but she's definitely not making today. Um, But that's okay because I'm here. I I hope that's okay for you. Um, You know, one thing that I want to start doing is like, because if it's just me alone, Obviously, I'm not going to tell you about stupid shit that happened in my week. But I do want to share something interesting if I've learned it. And um, you guys really enjoyed the Rahul Rai episode where we were talking about finances and literature and financial literature. Um, and I really want to uh, get everybody onto this new book. He He's put me onto a lot of Finlit books. Um, and since then, I've kind of gone down this rabbit hole. It's mad old-timey. Um, some things are super, super dated, but… Uh, It's a great book on abundance mindset called The Science of Getting Rich. Um, Again, it's less about like the money stuff, but a lot more about abundance mindset, which actually, to me, applies to dating and love because, you know, a lot of it talks about being clear about what you want. If you're not clear about it, how do you know what you're working towards? Um, Claiming it and then believing that the universe wants it for you, which— I know can seem so hard when you're in it. I remember being like, well, universe just wants me to be alone and I'm cool with that. Uh, and it also talks a lot about being grateful and having faith, which for me were always the hardest things to do. Um, even to this day, that's probably the thing I struggle with. Things are still good, but you're always like, you know, when you've, when you've had a lot of hard knocks in life, it's hard to keep that blind face. Um, but... Listening to his book over and over, I was like, you know what? I've done all this shit the same way. Maybe it's time for something different. And I mean, that's what I did in the in the dating world. And that's what, you know, changed my life. Um, and now I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do it to get rich. Uh so I, I I don't know. If you, if you feel like it, uh, check it out. It's a really easy audiobook. It's like two and a half hours on Audible. I get nothing out of this. They're not paying me. Um, this is just me sharing a little something that uh that I enjoyed in the week. Um, Guys, we have a great episode for you. Uh, If you like what you're going to hear today, make sure you screenshot the episode, tag us and tell us what you thought of it. Also, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it and leave us a five-star rating or review on your podcast app, whether that's Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen. Please give us a five-star rating or review. And also follow us, like I said, we're on social media. We're at Kinda Dating across the board. I'm at Natasha Chandale on Instagram and Facebook, Natasha.Chandale on TikTok. Okay, this episode is probably a long time coming because you have definitely heard of him. I have heard of him. I used to like read your articles and and follow his blog. Um, He is a dating coach for smart, successful women who have everything but the man. Uh, guys, I want you to welcome Evan Mark Katz. What's up, Evan?
0: I'm so happy to be here.
1: I'm so happy that you're here. It's been, like I said, a long time. I've I've literally uh, followed you from your blogging days.
0: I started the blog in 2006. So if that gives you any idea, I, I'm I'm probably the first dating coach. I've been doing it since 2003. And so it's always meaningful to know that truly anybody can can uh, just start their own blog, start their own podcast, start their own YouTube channel or TikTok. And it's a very democratizing thing. And it's, it, it means a lot that there's other people who are doing killing it in this space.
1: Yeah, no, but you you started... Okay, wait, before I even jump into that, because I'm so excited, um, I, I have to ask you the first question we ask everybody, single or in a relationship?
0: I am married for 15 years in November.
1: 15 years? Yes. Holy shit.
0: When I started my blog... Uh, it was called advice from a single dating expert, because who knows more about dating than a guy who's still dating? Of course. And then five years later, um, I, I figured out what I was doing wrong as a single person. And yeah.
1: I mean, it's a journey, right? It, it's always that 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 was one of the reasons I never liked using the word expert for a long time, sure. because I was like, how the fuck can I say that? Like, I'm still
0: dating. You, you can claim it. Here's the thing. If you're heavy, you can give great diet advice. It doesn't mean you follow it, but it doesn't mean the advice is bad. So I always sort of distance myself. I mean, the first time I was, you know, I had a book out and I was on CNN and they're like, who the hell are you to give anybody advice? You've never had a relationship more than six months. And I said, you're, you're, Criticism of my love life is completely accurate. Thank you. But I could tell you how to get a date online like nobody's business. So if you recognize your limitations, I've never claimed to be, you know, I'm not, I'm a parent, but I'm not a parenting expert. As long as you kind of stay in your lane and have a measure of humor and humility about what you do, you can get away with calling yourself an expert.
1: Yeah. Cause also, like, I actually, you know, everything is a double-edged sword in a way because yeah, people call you out that you're single and who who are you to give anybody advice? But it's also like, well, I'm living this life. I know what's working and not working because I'm actually doing it. Sometimes I haven't enjoyed when people are, you know, telling everybody from the outside and they've never experienced what the real world is like for people. And so I appreciate that you have experienced you know what real life is, and then and, and now you get to speak about it from you know a successful point of view. I've
0: been on both sides. I, yeah. like you, I, I was I was probably on 300 online dates from 25 to 35. I was prolific. I was not one of those people who was in relationships for like my wife was like three years, five years, seven years, and I was like three months, one month. Like I was I was a serial dater, not a serial monogamist. And as a result, I have a great compassion for what single people are going through. And I've been on the other side long enough that hopefully I have some measure of credibility in helping people make good decisions. My goal is not to help people get married per se, but happily married.
1: Hey friends, it's your girl Natasha Chandale, and I've got some really cool news to share. I'm finally offering one-on-one virtual dating coaching. That's right. You've been sliding in my DMs for years let's finally chat face-to-face or Zoom-to-Zoom. If you're in a dating rut, let's get you out. I'm the friend you never had and the honest dating coach you need. Whether you're in a relationship or looking for one, I'm here to talk through your problem, provide personalized guidance, and find a solution. For all you loyal listeners, you know that I had a string of unhealthy relationships. After escaping an abusive one, I decided to take accountability for my love life healed myself, and put myself on a path to dating success. I am now in a happy, healthy relationship and want to help empower you in your dating journey too. I want to get you to an empowered state where you're making dating decisions from a positive, secure place. So when the stars align and you meet that right person, you're ready to welcome them. My approach is honest, practical, because I've actually dated in the modern landscape, optimistic, and I tend to go deep. And as a woman of color and an immigrant, I understand the nuances of many cultures. And with my background as a comedian, we'll probably have some laughs along the way. If you're ready to take control of your dating life, let's chat. Go to our new website, www.kindadating.com services for 50% off your first introductory session. That's right. off your first introductory dating coaching session. Go to www.kindadating.com slash services and book your dating coaching session with me today. Talk soon. Uh, Wait, so give give everybody kind of a rundown of how you got here.
0: I don't know how interesting my backstory (laughs) is. No, it's super
1: interesting.
0: I came to LA when I was 24. Um... I was going to be a screenwriter, not a complete novel idea. But I said, someone writes for friends in the mid-90s. Why not me? So I moved out here from New York. And I got an agent and a manager and meetings at studios and networks. And I was in Project Greenlight with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And I was in the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop. And I did everything you could possibly do except make any money. Um,
1: Welcome to the writer strike.
0: Cut right. to <laughs> I-, I was striking, but nobody knew. Yeah. <laughs> and so I reached a, a point when I was 30. And I was like, I can't be the 40-year-old guy running around saying, please read me. Please represent me. I couldn't. I couldn't take the insecurity anymore, but I didn't have a backup plan. All my friends from college are doctors and lawyers and growing up like normal people and you choose an artistic career and it's sometimes really, really cruel. So I figured, all right, I'll go to film school, went to UCLA film school and got a job just to pay the bills and my job happened to be answering phones at J-Date. Customer service, getting yelled at by strangers. Totally hilarious. And after like a year of getting yelled at by strangers in customer service and using the site. I mean, I was, I'm was i not a hypocrite. Um, I was like, I gotta write a book about this because writers write. And so I wrote a book in 2003 called I Can't Believe I'm Buying This Book, A Common Sense Guide to Successful Internet Dating. Um, And that book, unlike my Hollywood career, did well. And suddenly I was in USA Today and Time Magazine and I dropped out of film school and became like the dating guy when there was no one doing that. So it was just a door opened and I went with that door and I didn't realize it It was kind of like a calling. It was so much more gratifying than writing another, spending six months, giving birth to another Silly comedy that we get so far up the food chain and then have to start all over. So uh, I became the master of my own destiny and started with online dating advice and online dating profile writing. I started the business called eCyrno writing people's dating profiles. And people would say, Oh my God, I'm getting all this attention. What do I do now? And I was like, well, you, you flirt. I don't know how to flirt okay, so let's go on and online and tell you how to flirt. And online dating advice led to dating advice, led to relationship advice. At the same time, my love life is paralleling the situation where I was writing articles for match.com. I wrote one in my 33, 34 called Last Single Guy Standing about being the hypocritical dating coach who's running around giving advice and not following it. And miraculously, it all kind of came together. Not miraculously, I made different decisions about who would be a better life partner for me than simply who was I used to dating? And so I think we all have blind spots around there's what I'm most attracted to and what's good for me, and it's not exactly the same thing. Once I got clear on that, I was able to reverse engineer it and turn it into uh, a pathway, like a one-size-fits-all course for women that helps women gain confidence and understand men and make better dating and relationship choices. And I never talk about being right or wrong. You're not wrong if you disagree with anything I say. I would always ask, is what you're doing effective? Is it getting you closer to your goal? And so that's 20 years in three minutes, hopefully.
1: Wow, that's amazing. It's a crazy uh, journey, but it's also, you know, again, as somebody who has followed you, um, it always feels, you know, time is like a blur. So it feels like it's it's it all happens overnight. But it's been years in the making.
0: No, I mean, if you listen to anybody who is semi successful in their field, there's very few overnight successes. Most people fail and fail and fail and pivot and fail and fail and fail and if i were to do another ted talk i'd probably want to talk not about dating but about failure i'm such i'm so big on these concepts of learning from mistakes and abundance and confidence and you know growth mindset and like i think that has everything to do with how my clients are successful at work and they have one really strong muscle where they're really durable and resilient and then when it comes to dating they're completely different people
1: Yes, that is a very common thing. I was just going to ask you, like, what what are sort of the most common issues you hear from women?
0: I'm sure we hear the same issues. I don't think that, I, you know, my clients are any different than your listeners, maybe a little bit older because I'm a little bit older. Um, but I think there's just universal things depending upon whether you're taking a break from dating, whether you are dating, whether you're in a relationship – you've got different blind spots. So I try to help people at every phase of relationships get unstuck and directed towards their road. But mainly the big thing people struggle with is, and it's too broad to even answer in a bullet point way, why can't I find a quality man who I'm attracted to, who treats me up well, who wants to commit? Like we can sum it all up with that. And then we get into... You know, dozens of different variations on the answer to that.
1: And do you find that, like, like you said, maybe some some of your um, clientele might be a little bit older? I'm sure they're around the same. We have lots of you know overlap. But do they do they still find the same issue that guys don't commit?
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's that's why starting this when I was 31 and now I'm 51. I hate to out myself, but it's true. Um, you get you to look great. Thank you so much. The grace all that matters. Mo- mostly on the side. There's no skill in Can't having tell. hair. Right. Can't tell. Um I think the thing is, everybody thinks their situation is unique. And there's virtually nothing unique. Like if I were like a doctor, everybody's like, I just went on WebMD and I discovered that I have some novel disease that you've never heard of before. And I'm usually like, you have a cold, here's some Robitussin. You know, no, but you don't understand my childhood trauma and the last guy and here's what he did. And when you're sitting in my seat, you hear it all so many times that you realize this is about people, confidence, relationship dynamics, the difference between a 65-year-old woman in Seattle and a 25-year-old woman in New York City is simply what, (laughs) it's just age. 95% of the advice is the same. This one's dealing with guys with erectile dysfunction. This one's dealing with guys who don't have jobs, right?
1: Hey, listen, uh, I was like in my 20s when I uh, dated a guy that I really liked who had ED.
0: Yes. What are you gonna do? And so it spans the spectrum. And as a coach, I work with women from 25 to 75 and they're delighted to discover, oh, this is so universal. Right. I grew up in a dysfunctional household. I don't know what healthy boundaries look like. I haven't seen a good model for marriage. I don't know what it's supposed to feel like when a guy treats you well. Uh, I'm so used to guys who text once a week and sleep with you and leave you guessing and constantly feeling on edge. I wouldn't even know it if a great guy bit me in the ass. And so I try to provide some model of healthy masculine love for them to feel such that they could recognize it when they have it in real life.
1: Yeah, and and it is funny because uh, as somebody who, like I grew up all, you know, I've lived and grew up kind of all over the world. And so I have friends from everywhere and everybody is always telling me like, D- dating in like, insert their city is the hardest in the world. right? And I'm always telling them, everybody, I'm like, guys, I, I think this is just, it's hard for everybody. Cause you know, somebody in New York will say, oh, dating is so hard cause you can't, you know, there's no monogamy. And then I'm like, somebody from Buckfuck Nowhere will say, dating is hard because I only have 8,000 people in my town and I went to elementary with half these boys and I don't see them that way. And you're like, yeah. it's, it's
0: fucking Right. Hard. And so when you hear those things, you recognize the universality of all. There's no as you said, there's no city where anybody's like, I love it. What a great place to date. So we could stereotype why it's more challenging in San Francisco or New York or LA. And we could, you know, play those things. But at the end of the day, you don't need a million guys. You need one. When I was going through my online slept phase, um
1: ain't no shame in that. I talk about it you gotta, very openly. I don't
0: I don't <laughs> need to be celibate. Forever, just because I want to find a wife, I really wanted to find a wife, but I, you know, I had to keep busy. Um, I thought of doing. I mean, I thought of every. I, I was like, I should go and I should go to New York. That's that's where all the quality. That's where all the smart women are. They're not in L.A. No one in L.A. Like, how arrogant to think that I've just used up women in L.A. because I have terrible judgment, right? And that's what people do. We take we take almost the simplest version. This false binary, right? Men are either like fuck boys or just so boring and unattractive that I'd have to slit my throat if I spent an extra minute with him as if there's nothing in between. And that's where we land. There's there's literally no guys. You don't understand, Evan.
1: Yeah, which is totally not true. And uh, you know, with my partner now, it's like he's somebody who is uh, very attractive. He is a great human being. He's 10 times better than I am for sure. He's the reason we, End up staying together for sure, and and he's smart and he's all those things. But yeah, you asked me that like five seven years ago. I would not I would not have believed that that kind of person existed. And I had to kind of change my own perspective and my own narrative of what I was saying about guys. So I just didn't see the spectrum. So I wasn't just seeing the fuck boys, which is what I mostly ended up being with, and then these like really boring dudes. Right. And I was like, no, wait. There's like if I exist. Thank you. Somebody else God, has to exist. God bless
0: you. And that's the thing is like when I hear, and, and listen, if you're a, a woman who dates men, who are the antagonists in the story? Men, who are the ones who are hurting you? Men, I acknowledge that. Like, I'm not diminishing that. I'm not defending men.
1: I will say though, I, I the, like for me, I had to really go, I, it's not about antagonists. Like, yeah, some like a guy could do some fucked up shit, but I was also like, I, I'm the only constant in my life. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, no, I, I we're leading to that, right? So, but I'm acknowledging, there, in talking about how terrible men are, that's not just in your head, right? Like, thats I, I never want to take anybody's experiences away, their emotions away. A, those are the men you're choosing, right? And that's a small sample size of all men. And so we just have to be open to the possibility that between these two poles there's this lane of quality guys and if you only date the two poles you convince that you could get convinced of that and if you talk to men who are the antagonists women you talk to guys at length about how brutal it is to date they'll give you their version of events and so there's this Venn diagram between men's stories and women's stories but we don't need all of it They're like we don't have to diminish the truth of any of it to say okay there's a lot of people who are incapable of being your person that's fine so let's not get so negative about the fact that 90% of people aren't your people and let's aim for that 10% of people.
1: 100%. Um, you focus on, like you said, smart, strong, successful women. Are there any unique challenges for for this subset in trying to find love?
0: Absolutely. And you know what they are. And that's, that's the neat part. Of having this conversation frequently with 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 people who are in a similar place, um, let's construct it like as a math exercise. Let's say you are a ninety fifth percentile woman, whatever that means. I don't want to sound too snobby, but sometimes we we have to delineate people by the perception of quality. You're you're beautiful and you're college educated and you earn six figures and you own your home and you. You're a black diamond skier and you are kind to pets. Like you have this great relationships with your friends and family and have your audience is like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. All Right. so let's say you are that kind of quality woman. And then you say, because of that, I cannot, will not, I deserve to date a man above me on the food chain. I can't just date any guy. And by the way, I'm not telling you to date any guy. But there, there's this, I can only respect... Men who are above me, taller, smarter, richer, funnier, more charismatic, more impressive. That's what I'm attracted to. That's what I respect. So right there, we've cut off 95% of guys. By nature, that means your dating prospects are going to take longer to come together than someone who's like, he's nice, he's cute, he has a job, right? Like right there, by raising your standards to the top 95%, 5% of guys are available. But it's more than that. Among those guys, a lot of them don't want to date you. Mm -hmm. Rupert Murdoch, not that you should want to date Rupert Murdoch, but he's an example of a guy who's not looking to date another billionaire. He wants a blonde 30 years younger. So a lot of men, impressive men in the 5% above you, whatever that means, richer, taller, smarter, whatever, don't necessarily want to date female versions of themselves. And that's... I'm going to say good or bad. We just observe it out in nature. We see that all the time. He wants a first grade teacher who makes him dinner when he gets home. That's what he wants a nurturer, not a woman who's working 70 hours a week as a lawyer. Right? So that eliminates certainly half of those guys. And then we have the other half of those guys, the guys who are the tech founders, the chief resident, the um, partner at the law firm. And now you're dating a male version of you and there's a lot of busy, there's a lot of ego, there's a lot of ambition, less likely to back down. We've got a couple type A's, right? And so we have a lot of friction and it's not that you're wrong or he's wrong, it's that you put two people together who are the same and that's what I was doing for 10 years of prolific dating. I want the woman who could tell me about like, cool music and books that I hadn't heard of because she's like edgier than I am. And I want someone that I could look up to and she could teach me something in a political conversation. And I put so much value on, and this is why, why I could say this to women, I was like that, I am like that. And it took me 300 dates to realize it wasn't working. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the problem. problem, the issue for smart, strong, successful women. A, 95% of guys are not viable in your opinion. A good portion of them don't want to date you, and the ones who want to date are kind of just like you.
1: Yeah, because I don't know if you've um, had or, or met Jenna Birch yet. Have you met her?
0: She, I think she wrote an article. She, I think she was a journalist Yeah, and, and she wrote an article in which we did a phone interview and she quoted me. And then I, I think she went on to do other things, but I, yeah. don't, but I don't, um, I don't know her.
1: Okay. So she was on the podcast and um, she, you know, we did this episode uh, based on her book called the love gap. And she talks about that um, like statistically where it's like, uh, and I, again, I'm paraphrasing it, but sure. some, some basic stat that's like, 80% of guys say that they want a smart successful woman and less than 50% actually end up with one or or choose one to actually be in a relationship with.
0: And so let's let's flip that around. Cuz uh, cuz now we're getting into really like interesting maybe dicey yeah. stuff. Um if we're playing with statistics and again I can't argue with the statistic It can't be that 80% of women are smart, strong, successful women too. Like like if if everybody's smart, strong, successful, then nobody's smart, strong, successful. You can't have 80%. So it makes sense that only 50% would land there. That sounds about right to me. Um, And I think men do want women who are smart, uh, but they want it without some of the baggage that comes with that. The same way women want men who are ambitious, right? But you don't want the guy who travels half the year. You don't want the guy who works 100 hours a week. We want... We want all of his intelligence, but we want him home at five to massage our feet. So men do like smart women, but we don't like smart women who are constantly criticizing us or who are too busy for us where we're number five in the number of things that they have to prioritize. So I think there's a more complex reason. The easy version of it is he's intimidated by me. All right, that's the lazy version of it. And there are men who are intimidated by you. Don't date them. They exist, you're right. But we're not talking about those those guys. Guys who aren't intimidated by it you why would they not want to be with you and that's where greater learning can take place rather than I'm just I'm just too impressive for all these men all these men just you know they talk about oh you've such a beautiful place and you went to an ivy league school you must be so smart okay those are insecure guys we're talking about the guys that you value like why would that guy not mesh with you and it's usually because of this kind of stuff the idea that you don't get good qualities without the bad qualities you don't get a gorgeous guy without him being maybe a little narcissistic. Wants to keep his options open. Mostly. Doesn't hasn't had to learn to exercise kindness because women throw themselves at him. All right, so we're looking to say what trade offs can we make and be happy with the result. And that is a much more nuanced discussion than eighty percent of men say they want smart women. And we could do the other statistic, which which is also equally fascinating from OK Cupid women find 80% of men to be unattractive in the lower 50th percentile, right? 80% of guys right off the bat are in the bottom 50th percent. And that math doesn't work either. Men at least are more open, strangely, to women. Their standards for who they find dateable and fuckable are actually more realistic, where women are all scrounging for the top X percent of men. And that is the counterbalance to the reality of a lot of guys who are intimidated and they want a woman who's beneath them and they could both simultaneously be true
1: yeah, no, it's true. I mean, my boyfriend and I have very similar qualities in in certain areas like we're both very independent and kind of alphas, but we're we are alphas in very complementary ways. Mm-hmm. And so he he always says, he's like, I really liked you because you were independent you were smart and you were all these things. But even then, like I've learned over my own journey that even though I know I can do a lot of shit by myself, I don't have to. And I'm very like, you want to plan that? Great. Like you go. So now there are things that he loves doing where he's super alpha. He plans certain things. He Actually, that's his thing. He loves to do all that. And then for me, I'm like, I know it might sound very uh, gender sp- you know, uh, specific, but like, I'm really good at taking care of the house. And I am, I'm very like, this, pl- needs, to this needs to get and done and this needs to get done. gorgeous and spotless. Thank if you.
0: People haven't seen the whole thing.
1: <laughs> I'm like, this needs to get done and this needs to get done and this needs to get done, you know, to take care of the house. And then he's like, let's plan this trip, let's go here, let's do, I'm like, awesome. And, but he lets me be that and be a leader in some areas and I let him lead in a lot of other areas. And even sexually, we talk about it, where it's like a lot of times he does, and that's what he likes to do. I'm like, great. And then there are times where I'm like, my turn. And then he's like, okay. And mm-hmm. we actually say it. So it's like, we know where we stand. It's not a competition in that moment of like two people who want to take lead. Do you find that that's possible? Like, is that a thing? or Or should alphas be dating betas?
0: It's all about compatibility and what works and how do you know it's working? It feels good, it's easy, it's not a struggle. You're not struggling to be heard, you don't feel like you're swallowing your pride or bending over backwards. So I'm not here to, you know, from my mountaintop and wag my finger and say, here's the only way you could have a relationship. But I was still, I mean, the most common thing is I get alpha, you know, type A women who want men who are more type A than they are. And that's all well and good. I understand why you find that appealing. I got a very, very angry email from a client the other day at how frustrated she is at betas right now. And so I really hear that. But for this client, for example, to be able to date uh, an alpha, she's going to have to really, really like loosen up and be more agreeable and less controlling and less angry and and – She's entitled to her feelings, and my belief is it's a lot easier to change your choice of men than it is to change your personality. So you can't have two people sitting in the driver's seat gripping the steering wheel tight. It doesn't mean you know men should be or women should be. I don't, like I'm not I'm egalitarian about who should be the the alpha or the person who's control. But relationships need someone who's easygoing to say yes, dear. Right. My wife was the yes, dear person over 15 years together. I've gone from probably 70% alpha being somewhere in the middle. I do a lot more yes dear, why? Because she has to run the house. She has to handle the kids. She has to, like, she's in charge of a whole bunch of stuff. We were cleaning the garage yesterday, really sexy marriage stuff. And I, and I, if I were cleaning the garage, I would have just gone and thrown out a whole bunch of stuff and cleaned up. She wants to save almost everything in the garage. And so I'm standing there like a bum. Bumble- I can't do anything whose vote counts my wife's vote count i'm i'm secondary why cuz she's the one in charge of the house so i could say honey i really don't think we need this we do we need to we need to do this you know what just go inside i got this yes dear
1: it's so funny, we're the opposite. I'm the one who throws everything away. And he always like, he's like, but, and I'm like, no. The whole the <laughs> like, whole point of this is about know, control. I I like like
0: no. I feel just yeah, as yeah, strongly, yeah. There, you haven't, we've been together 15 years, you haven't used this thing. Let's get rid of it, All right? She's a just in case person. So is this gonna be the hill that I die on? Nope. Yeah. And so am I type A opinionated, c- control oriented? I wanna have my say, I wanna have my stamp? Absolutely for people like that, you have to sand those rough edges off in a relationship if you want to be a good partner. If you're not going to sand that off and want to be in control of everything as a man or a woman, you better have someone who has virtually no opinions whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And you won't be happy with that person, but at least you'll have control. So then which is it? right. So I think it's the both and solution. In general, if you are a type A, control, choose someone who's a little easier going, a little more yes, dear. That's you know, happy wife, happy life, right? Like there's nothing wrong with choosing someone who's a little more easier going and simultaneously become a little more easygoing yourself. Realize you don't have to get your way all the time. If you love the person, you trust the person, you want them to be happy. It doesn't cost much to be more agreeable. So that was my evolution was I chose a more agreeable partner and I became more agreeable over time.
1: Oh, 100%. You definitely learn that.
0: (laughs) Or you could be alone and get your way all the time, which is an option too.
1: Exactly. Um, uh, We, uh, I always joke that like, so when we moved in together, I am very clean and he's fairly clean. He's a man. Yeah, not not my level clean. I've I've learned that. So, and I've had to understand that. And so- he loves to just like he'll wash dishes and he thinks it's clean and then he'll just put it in the dish rack and and no, I'm literally like charged. I'm literally like there there are stains and I used to get really annoyed about those things in the beginning I was like can you just there's a dishwasher can you just put it in the dish and then I realized I was like okay but this is literally his quirk like this is his thing so I was like am I gonna you know, pick a fight about it every time and try to change him and make him feel like he's always doing something wrong. I was like, or should I just pick it up and put it in the dishwasher? You will so now you I will literally- have
0: your <laughs> passive aggressive jokes for as long as you're together. You will have your passive aggressive jokes. Um, but it's it does not have to be a deal breaker. It's not a sign of his disrespect. I think the hard part, and we can even talk about this through the lens of politics, is we we've we've come to this place in society where everybody puts their opinions out on the internet and any disagreement is feels almost like an attack instead of like can't two people look at the same thing slightly different and both be reasonable people where you know yes it's better to have perfectly clean dishes than dishes with stains on them yes it is he might conclude the amount of time it takes to do that is less important than the overall And my wife and I, again, this is is our thing in our marriage is she'll spend, no joke, we'll have a party and she'll spend like, she'll do three all-nighters. This is a 53-year-old woman. She's pulling pulling all-nighters to prepare for a party. I was like, nobody cares. They want free booze, free food, and a pool, right? But she is the consummate hostess. Everything has to be perfect and she drives herself crazy. And I'm like, can't we do the four-hour version instead of the 14-hour version? And this is costing you. This isn't even for me. This is your life. But for her, she's actually happier having that level of control. And we will spend our whole lives disagreeing about what is enough. And if that's the biggest problem we have, we are the happiest married couple you've ever seen.
1: Kinda daters. Are you a catch but not getting any matches on your dating app profile? then Profile Booster is perfect for you. It's a brand new service offered by Kinda Dating to optimize your dating app profile so you can reflect the best version of yourself online and get the matches you deserve. With sometimes five pictures and three prompts, it's hard to showcase your full self. You'll be working with me, Natasha Chandel, a dating expert and professional screenwriter, and Luis Miranda, a veteran brand strategist with a track record of success. Oh. And we're a real-life couple. After a string of our own failed relationships and shitty dates, Luis and I individually decided to get more intentional about our love lives. We crafted dating app profiles that stood out, were memorable, and were authentically us. We matched on a dating app just three weeks before the pandemic lockdown and recently celebrated our three-year anniversary this year. Since then, we've successfully helped friends do the same and now want to help you We'll customize a plan just for you so you can showcase your authentic voice and image to attract the right match for you. Ready to boost your love life? Profile Booster is available now at an incredibly affordable price. Visit www.kindadating.com services and let's transform your dating profile and get you more matches today. You know, even like when it comes to people who feel like when they're dating and they disagree about something or they don't, you know, they... Don't see eye to eye on every issue, like you said. One thing that I really um, generally have encouraged my friends and, and myself also over time has been like, it doesn't have to mean that you put your relationship on the line just because you don't agree about one thing. And like you said, somebody perceives them not doing the dishes the right way as disrespect. And if you do think that you got to catch yourself because in the beginning, that that is what I thought. I was like, what the fuck? He doesn't just listen to me? What the fuck is wrong with this guy? You know, and I- Yeah, and he just I, doesn't
0: value cleanliness as you value yeah. cleanliness, but it seems like he should.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> even then I was like, I was mentally going like, does he, is this a slight to me? And I had to catch that like narrative. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're creating this entire giant story about a dish. And I was like, and then I had to back it up with my own mind of what are all the other things he does that are right? And then I was like, oh no, he does all these other things that show me he loves and respects me and whatever. This isn't the thing and that's okay. But when we disagree, I've had to also teach him is that like just because we disagree doesn't mean it's the end of the relationship. It doesn't mean anything is on the line, it doesn't mean anything. Right. Unless the day I tell you, hey, this is this is this is a problem. Like I'm questioning our relationship, don't ever question the
0: relationship. You should never question the relationship because it means that it means that you don't view it as something that's permanent. Imagine going to a regular job every day and every day your boss says, you know, you could be fired today. Like that's no, those are no working conditions. And people do that all the time in relationships um, Is they threaten to take it away. You know, I, I have to take a break. I really need to think about this. And how secure can anybody feel if every disagreement is a cause for a break instead of it's just a disagreement? Most disagreements are not about um, the core things that keep relationships together, character, kindness, consistency, communication, commitment. They are things like dishes Right, like the, those are the things that that will. My, my wife is, you know, my wife is probably asleep right now, and she's 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 sleeps like a teenager. Left her own devices. So I could have like an entire, yeah, I could have like an entire day without her, and I like it. It it, it drives me crazy. It's not going to change, and we just have to recognize it's such a small sliver of everything. So in a relationship, I teach this in my "Love You" course. You have to assume positive intent. You have to assume that this guy who signed up for the job of being your boyfriend wants to make you happy. And if he's doing something that's not making you happy, dishes, for example, it's inadvertent, right? It's not malicious. It's We always have to assume this guy signed up for the job of making me happy. And if he's not making me happy, it is accidental or a function of the fact that we're two different people who don't exactly believe everything in lockstep with each other. And as long as we can allow for that tolerance, we could have a happy life. If you expect that your soulmate is going to agree with you on every single thing in the world, you're going to have no, it'll be impossible to have a relationship. There's no such thing. And this is also where people go wrong. We try to date our clone in- instead of trying to date our compliment. Our clone is what we're familiar with, right? I like skiing, he likes skiing. I was a lapsed Catholic, he's a lapsed Catholic. We both started in the entertainment industry and got jobs out of it and that has nothing to do with whether you're gonna be a happy couple. It just means you have shit in common, (laughs) right? How do you guys come together, right? Is is the wheel round, does it flow? If the parts don't fit, it doesn't matter what you have on paper, it doesn't matter how much you love each other and that is a really hard one lesson that most people have trouble internalizing.
1: Yeah, I have a really good friend uh, who is just like, she's a big skier and she won't, she's just like, I can't meet anybody because nobody else loves skiing as much as I do. I'm like, it's just skiing. Um, But you know, for her, it's like, no, but I wanna be able to travel at the drop of a hat and I want him to be able to do the exact same thing at the exact same time as me. And I'm like.
0: Give 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 her the math. Yeah. What percentage of people Are hardcore skiers who go for 14 weeks a year? I've had clients like that too. What what percentage of people are hardcore skiers? 1% at best. Now from that 1%, we're starting there. Is he cute? Is he nice? Does he treat you well? Is he attracted to you? Does he want the same kind of life as you do? Is he financially stable? Right. We're starting at 1%. So then we say, there's no guys out there. No, there's tons of guys. We just elevated the wrong thing. People compromise on the wrong things. It it is, we talk about the original title of this podcast, if I recall was, you don't attract the wrong man, you accept the wrong man. We won't compromise on skiing, but we will compromise on monogamy, We will compromise on whether he's an asshole. We will compromise on whether he's a good communicator or has anger issues or has drug addiction, right? We will compromise on whether he is completely selfish and dead or selfish in the household. We'll compromise on all those things. But as long as he's hot and rich and likes the same stuff, we could let anything go. So in my, my work, I basically reverse that. Let's start with the guy who treats you well, who's commitment oriented, who sees you for all that you are, who treats you like a princess, who could stand up to you, but fundamentally sees the you as the best version of you and lets, lets you let down your guard and be yourself. And from there, does he have all these other qualities? Does he make enough money? Is he cute enough, right? We're, we're, we're literally dating on the wrong qualities because the wrong qualities are all we could see on an app. All you got is looks and some very basic information. It's the wrong way to choose a spouse. It's the right way to choose a hookup. But the mechanism that we we mostly use doesn't really give us much about a guy's character because everybody's met some guy online who seemed like a great catch who turned out to be a nightmare, and passed on probably some decent guy whose marketing was mediocre. And that's that's uh, the twenty first century challenge.
1: Yeah. What do you what do you sort of mean when you say you know? you're not attracting that person. You're accepting them in the sense that like, because a lot of people feel, well, you know, there's these cliche terms that are like, oh no, you're attracting the wrong man. You're attracting them. But you don't think that there's any part of uh, people putting out that they want this type of guy and then just attracting that kind of person?
0: I I think we all have choices, right? When we say I'm attracting, we are, turning ourselves into victims and taking all responsibility. It's like, you've got a magnet. I've just got a narcissist magnet inside of me. No one could see it. No doctor could find it. They just go, and they come and stick to me, these narcissists. No, another woman goes on a date with a narcissist, realizes he's talked about himself for two straight hours. He hasn't asked you one question about you, right? All he wants is to charm me, love bomb me, get me into bed. Now that we're together, he diminishes me. He diminishes my opinion. It's all about him, his work schedule, his friendships. Someone else says, I'm not doing that. And she's out in four weeks. Someone else doubles down on that guy for three years and says, I attract narcissists, right? No, no, you chose him and you chose him again and again and again and again, day in, day out, the same guy get rid of that guy, choose another one. As to why you choose that person, well, that might be more complicated. That probably has a lot to do with what, you've, what you're attracted to, what you saw as normal in your childhood, right? Again, we're not getting into daddy issues and all that kind of stuff, but there's a reason that people think, oh, that's normal. It's normal to have a man who threatens to leave every time he doesn't get his way. It's normal to have a guy who yells at you and calls you names. If you've normalized that behavior, it's familiar. If it's familiar, you choose it, you are attracted to it. So that's the framing I would rather have. Not that I attract it, you're actually attracted to it.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good differentiation. I could see that for sure. Um, when, if people are in this phase and they're you know, accepting this wrong person over and over again, what can women do to avoid, you know, wasting time with the wrong guy?
0: The best way to avoid wasting time on the wrong guy is to not get into a relationship with the wrong guy at all. Right? And But that's,
1: how do you identify that for people?
0: There's, I've got many answers and I'm trying to keep it all in my head. Like I would normally, you know, on my podcast, I would have a half hour to explain this answer. So I wanna do, I wanna do your question justice. Um, people tend to ignore things at the beginning due to attraction. Um, things that that create inconvenient relationships at best and doomed relationships at worst, right? So in, in Love you I mean, we literally give a hard pass to, I don't know, 70% of guys before you sleep with him, before he becomes your boyfriend. We don't do long distance. We don't do recently divorced. We don't do separated. We don't do... I don't know what I'm looking for. If if my clients wanna get married and he's not sure, hard pass, no. We don't take chances on people at the beginning where there's a 50% coin flip chance that one year from now he's gonna be like, uh, no, I told you I wasn't looking for anything serious. Right, so if we we say no to those people and, and again, we, you and I, and I might disagree about this and it's for, for maybe later, I tell my clients don't sleep with guys who aren't your boyfriend. Right? I'm sex positive. I've done all the things. I don't judge. There's no moral valence to it. It's if you sleep with a guy on the third date and he says, "You're amazing. You're my girlfriend. Now you're hooked." That's your first hit of the drug, and now good luck trying to get out of that relationship with the noncommittal narcissist. You put yourself on that drug because you didn't vet him as a candidate. So in love, you women are the CEOs, and men are the interns. And the intern needs to work pretty hard to earn a job with you, maybe over four to six weeks. And most guys will reveal a lot in those four to six weeks before he's your boyfriend, before you sleep with him. So we could avoid a lot of this stuff, not guarantee, but avoid a lot of this stuff from the very beginning.
1: And I'm curious, uh, you know, to sort of specify what you sort of mean a little bit is like, because, you know, you said there's some hard passes to certain types of people, right? If they're divorced or they're separated, does that mean like- Recently, recently. divorced. Recently, okay. Not so. ever, I've right? Married
0: a divorced woman. I'm not okay. against divorce. But if you are the first person he's dated pr- since divorce, you're probably a rebound, right? And, he's prob- right. If, yeah. and if you're marriage-oriented, and my clients usually are, he's probably not ready to get married anytime soon Right? He could love you, he can give you as much as he can, but if your goal is I wanna be married in two, two and a half years, and his goal is I love having a girlfriend, but I don't wanna be tied down, it means not that he's a bad guy or a bad boyfriend. It means we're on separate paths and eventually you're gonna hit the wall, right? But we won't talk about it. And that's what happens when, when we get into relationships with guys and they're like, I'm afraid to ask him about whether he's my boyfriend. I'm afraid to ask him to take his profile down. I'm afraid to ask about where we are and where we're going. Why would you be afraid to ask your boyfriend anything? It's because you don't want to know the answer. Why don't you want to know the answer? You already do know the answer. You're on the wrong train. You're headed in the wrong direction. So I just, as a coach, I just, I stand there and be like, nope, nope, nope. Like, people. This is not unique to women. If I coach men, it would be the same thing. People tend to sweep the bad under the rug and see the good under the influence of attraction. I had a client. We'll mention her, her name, but she was so excited. She was graduating my Love You course and she was like, I got myself a boyfriend this week and he's so great and it's been six weeks and everything happened the way you said it was going to happen and I'm so excited. There's just one little problem. He's mentioned like three times that he like steals things, like just like a five finger discount or he took you know two things up to the cashier at Home Depot and took three and he's just kind of casually mentioned it a bunch of times. I was like, got to break up with him. I mean, like he's everything you described. I was like, except for high character. It it takes a very low character man to brag about stealing in his late 30s. So do you think this will never surface again if we pretend it's not there because he's been so good to you and he calls and he commits and he treats you well. And I have no doubt he's been nothing but an excellent guy to you, but we already know there's a, a deep crack in his armor. You think that's never gonna surface again? So do you want to fall in love with him only to de- determine that the guy who told you week 1 that he steals things is also a cheater? So we just have to react to that information quicker instead of saying but but but.
1: Totally. I mean it always comes back to that I am my angelou quote, right? When somebody shows you who they are, believe, believe them. them the first time. Right. And like I know that that was like a big thing for me, you know, I'd sit across a guy and he'd be like I remember one guy actually said I don't even know what it means, but he said, like, I have double rage. So this is
0: the disclaimer. Guys do this all the time. They will tell you. Oh, yeah, they what's tell wrong. you what the problem is. Yeah, yeah. Right? They're just trying to And unload It's not it. just
1: guys, girls do the same thing. Oh, yes. We're always telling people where we're at. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm I'm super busy. I have, uh, I'm so busy all the time. Right. It's like hard for me to get. No. That's me telling you, listen, I might not have time yeah, to hang this, out with this you all, is, is all This
0: is all I can give you. <laughs> exactly. And if you're fine with that, if you're fine with the once a week hookup, God bless you. I don't, I don't judge anybody who chooses that. It's when you fall in love with the once a week hookup and you're like, why is his profile up? Why hasn't he committed to me? How come he's never talked about a future? How come he hasn't introduced me to his family? He told you, you ignored it. So this isn't, I attract those guys. You choose them and you choose them again and again and again. And if you make better choices in the first four to six weeks of dating, it saves so much trouble down the road. Now we're choosing from the lane of at least good guys who want what you want, whether they're husband material or, or long-term relationship material is a separate question that we'll figure out over the next couple of years. But if you get off, you know, it's like a, a, a compass. If you if you make a wrong move here, you're trying to go to Boston, you end up in Chicago.
1: It's true, it's true. I mean, so, you know, as we wrap this episode out, like how can, how can women tell if, a man is right for them long-term?
0: At what point? At, I, I, oh, that's,
1: that's the question. Like, how long should women be kind of in this phase to try to figure it out? Like, can you tell from the beginning? Can-
0: These are great questions, and I wanna plow through them. Number one, you can't tell from the beginning that a guy is right for you. You can tell that he's wrong for you. So my-
1: weeded out the opposite.
0: My, yeah, my saying is, believe the negative, ignore the positive. He's the perfect man who just happens to live with his mom. He's the perfect man who has anger issues. He's the perfect man who one thing sinks the whole ship. So you don't know if he's right for you. You can't know if he's right for you. Everybody wants to get online and figure out if he's her husband from a profile. And you can't do it. There's not enough information. There's no data. So believe the negative. If something seems wrong at the beginning, that will resurface and say no, hard pass, hard pass. There's always another guy. Men are like buses. There's another one coming along in 15 minutes. It man, I feel that way. It may seem really scarce out there. But if you double down on the wrong man, you're going to waste years of your life on something that you knew was wrong at the beginning. So that's one way to know when someone's wrong for you, which is half the battle. You don't have to know if he's right for you, right? Knowing whether someone's right for you is a feeling, right? And it's not the feeling of, oh, my God, you know. you just know when he's right for you right? That's the th- feeling everybody's waiting for. It's like this, this soulmate thing. I never had that feeling with my wife. So that's how I know it's not accurate. I've had the feeling with three women. They all dumped me. So that you just know is not the right feeling either. Every time you've just known, single woman listening right now, it's been wrong. So we don't trust that feeling either. You don't know when someone's right for you. You know when someone's wrong for you. Then what we're looking for down the road is the feeling of being safe, heard, and understood So if you're a woman listening to Tasha's Kind of Dating podcast right now and you're asking yourself in your relationship, not is he cute, is he smart, is he the most impressive guy you've ever dated, but do I feel safe, heard, and understood by this man? Can I let down my guard and trust that he will be by my side for the next 40 years and I don't have to check his phone or worry about how he's going to raise the kids? or how he's going to act with my mom, or whether he's going to yell at me or break up with me. If you don't have that feeling, get the fuck out. Long-term relationships are about ease and comfort. And if you have anxiety in your relationship, you're in the wrong relationship. And women justify their anxiety like... It's, a, it's amazing how women ignore their feelings. Women are more intuitive and sensitive and they ignore their feelings and bend over backwards to try to stay in relationships where they're constantly on edge. Being with your husband should be like being with your best girlfriend. That's how easy it is.
1: So that is, I feel like an amazing place to stop this episode. You're still, you're gonna hang around. We have one more episode with you. Yeah. Um, you're not totally done though, Evan. We do something called Six Questions. We ask every guest the exact same six questions. Now you're in the hot seat. Um, we want to know what, you're, what you like. Um, Evan, Mark Katz, are you ready for your six questions?
0: I am ready for my six questions with a little, little bit of a prompt because these are, I mean, like I'm, I'm scared. I, I, I could pontificate about what good relationships feel like. But now that the, the spotlight is on me and my personal life, I want to make sure that I equip myself well.
1: The, these are all your preferences.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, theoretically, I shouldn't be wrong, but I have a a public image to uphold.
1: <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Um, so, Evan, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner?
0: Sense of humor. Breasts. Sense of humor.
1: Very good. <laughs> Two very important
0: things. Well, well, there's the there's the the visual which comes first. But is is she quick? Could she could she take a joke? Could she di- dish it out? That is that's my uh, that's what I find the most attractive and I married a very funny woman.
1: Yeah. Uh, what is one deal breaker?
0: 300 dates. I could not find one person besides the one I married who accepted me in full without trying to change me. That was the thing that when if you say, what are you looking, like, what are you looking for in a, in a partner? Right? Someone's like, I'm looking for a guy who's successful. I'm looking for a guy who's brilliant. Find someone who accepts you as you are and you're the big winner. Because truthfully people don't change. Right. Let you stamp that on your forehead.
1: Um, what turns you on?
0: Great conversation. Like this kind of stuff. I get to do this with with my clients all the time to like really go deep when we my wife is a big entertainer and we have parties and we'll have people stay until one in the morning with bottles of wine. And for me, that's that's like an aphrodisiac. It's, it's it's the whole point of living is to exchange ideas and feel close to other human beings based on the exchange of those ideas.
1: Yeah, I love that. Uh, but what are one of your weaknesses and one of your strengths in relationships?
0: I think my strength in a relationship as a dating coach for women is that I really do more than just any guy on the planet understand women. I've spent 20 years listening to women tell me their point of view, uh, how they view the world, what's wrong with men. And I'd like to think I bring that into my marriage. Like I'm, I'd am i like to think I'm a really good husband because I can't hide from myself. I could see my own hypocrisy. I could see when I'm getting in my own way. So I think my clients and readers and listeners have trained me to be a better man. The flip side of that is that because I'm a self-help person, right? Like I'm, you know, again, not in a spiritual way, but I'm in. I'm an optimizer. How could I be a better coach? How could I be a better husband? How could I be a better father? I'm like reading books and taking notes. I think that could be somewhat insufferable because I expect other people to change. And as you point out, nobody changes. So I still can't but say to my wife, hey, honey, read this book on productivity. I, I read, it. I literally wrote, I read the whole book and here's a 10 page cliff notes. And she's like, Evan, you've been doing self-help forever and I'm happier than you, so shut the fuck up. So I think that's my my blind spot is not everybody wants to change. Some people just want to be left alone.
1: (laughs) It's very true. Uh, Evan, what is love?
0: It's not my definition. It's Eric Frome from The Art of Loving in the early 70s. Love is choosing to do loving actions for someone consistently over time, not based on a feeling, but based on the desire to do good. A lot of people think of love as the in love feeling, the, oh my God, I've got butterflies, the first six months honeymoon period. No, when you're talking about love over 40 years, if you go to the biological basis of love on the Wikipedia page, love is what you see grandparents have, right? It is. I love this person, so I'm gonna drive them to chemo. I love this person, so I'm gonna put up with the fact that they're never gonna change. I love this person, so I'm gonna be there for their family. It's not so much the feeling, it's the, I'm gonna do right by this person. Mm -hmm.
1: And your final question, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you?
0: Two of the words are the same. I believe in you, it's four words.
1: Uh, no. Believe I, I, in you. Sure.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> I, I already said I ex, uh, acceptance is important. I accept you. I think it's really about having tolerance for your partner. People, t- again, if you could find someone you could tolerate and sit in a car with for 12 hours with a broken radio, that's a better marriage than he gives the best cunnilingus, which is, again, is a nice bonus. But 12 hours in the car, Without a radio is more like marriage.
1: Totally. (laughs) Well, Evan, thank you so much for being on Kind of Dating. Again, you're sticking around, but how can everyone find you, your work, love you? That's the Academy name. (laughs) All those things.
0: Uh, My name is Evan Mark Katz. uh, Mark with a C, Katz with a K. Uh, Hopefully, I'm Googleable. I'm available on every platform. Uh, I have a podcast called The Love You Podcast. And um, my Love You course is a six-month course with coaching and community and lifetime access to a video curriculum ranging from confidence to commitment that helps women make better dating and relationship choices. Uh, And I got a gift just for uh, Kinda Dating listeners if you go to evanmarkkatz.com forward slash Kinda Dating. I will give you the seven massive mistakes you're making in your love life and um, give you some free dating and relationship advice so that you could turn this around and fix your broken man picker.
1: Oh, we love that. Well, you got to give us that code again and then we'll put it and we'll put all of his um, socials and links and this uh, discount code into uh, the show notes of this episode. So guys, make sure you follow Evan Marquette. You were great. This was so awesome.
0: Thank you so much. I had fun.
1: Great. and uh, guys. Make sure you follow us. We're at Kinda Dating across the board. I'm at Natasha Chandale on Instagram and Facebook, Natasha.Chandale on TikTok. Thank you so much, friends, for downloading this episode. If you like something you heard, screenshot the episode and tag us on social media. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. (laughs) Kinda Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandale. Aisha Holden is my co-host and our social media producer. And we only sound great thanks to our producer and audio engineer, Adam Pineless. The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yennick and Kay Daniel Ellis.